This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Hello, and welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is episode 138, and it is being recorded during part of Laura's maternity leave, and she suggested that Josh can do it with me. Greetings, Best of Both Worlds podcast. Um, No, actually, so the reason that Josh is on the mic is because we're interviewing um, Jimmy Turner, who is a uh, regional anesthesiologist in North Carolina, who's also um, really into teaching about financial topics, especially within the medical community, um, and also kind of dipping his toes into that financial independence world. And he recently wrote a book called The Physician Philosopher's Guide to Finance. And um, I decided that he and his wife would make really interesting podcast guests. And Josh was excited because he had actually read the book as well. Yeah, I um, I love the book. I thought it was very interesting. Sarah read it and, and she drops a lot of books on my uh, nightstand. But this one I was reading because we were really thinking about, you know, changing our retirement goals, that kind of thing. And um, I always sort of assumed that if I worked hard, everything would just work out financially. However, you know, reading that book makes me really realize that if you do that, don't think about it intentionally, you could be leaving a lot of things on the table. So 
I, I learned a lot from reading it and we've you know, made some changes. We've a little definitely. Bit. I mean, we used to just throw money out the window. Like it was just like, what? No, I'm just kidding. I don't not think really. it, was like that, that <laughs> <laughs> it was not that bad. But I agree with you. I think at one point we were just under the impression that, eh, whatever, we earn whatever, we get to spend whatever. And it turns out that if you don't really pay attention to how you're spending your money or your time, then you kind of lose out. And you also don't tend to get that much closer to your retirement goals, right? Yeah. Well, and um, physicians are famously not, you know, the best at retirement and, and investing in general. So uh, it was it was a very good service, that, that book, I thought. And we are definitely not um, planning on becoming a financially focused podcast, although we've had several episodes recently. I think that I, and to some extent, Laura, but especially I have just sort of realized that it is you know, this, this, this podcast has always been about sort of intention and, and trying to enjoy your life and making work and life fit together. But I also think it's very important to make sure that your work is something you enjoy and that you're also kind of making the most of. And part of that includes making sure that you're making the most of the income that you are making so that you're not necessarily dependent on doing work that might not be your ideal um, in some uh, vague future, even in some theoretical world, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You lost me a little bit there, but I'm with you in spirit. <laughs> and thankfully, I don't want to work till I'm, you know, till you're what? Can barely walk up the stairs to work. You know, I want to anyway. Yeah, we'll pretty much. And we really, uh, you know, we've talked about this here. We spend time, we spend significant time on some of our dates planning, and that either relates to planning how we want to spend our time with our kids, and you know, take the vacations we want to take, and make sure that we're doing the logistics of our household the way we really want to be doing them not just by some default, but also have extended that to making sure that we are doing what we want to intentionally with our finances and spending still and enjoying spending, but not to the detriment of our larger goals. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Anything else you have to, to add? You don't get to be on the podcast no. very often. So I kind of feel like our listeners deserve an update of some sort. Oh, I think, I don't know what happened this year. You know, maybe it's the January thing. I, go, I have this back and forth relationship with running and uh, I've stopped running for about two years when I was injured and now I'm sort of slightly back into running, running. due to some sort of work related corporate 5k thing that we want yes. Sarah to be a part of. But she oh, can't. Wait. And, I know, I know what we need to mention because it actually relates to what you just said about your running. Cause I think okay. this is where your brain was going. You created monthly goals. And you oh yeah. Oh, I wish I could show my planner. You, you can show your planner. Okay. We can show your planner. My one page in my planner, which it's was my great... January goals, which I'm not going to get to cross them all off, but I feel good actually just made it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to migrate them over to the February goals. Do you think I'm going to cross off all of my January no, goals? No, so. I'm definitely okay. not. But it's okay. The act of yeah. setting them means you at least knew what you were aiming for and probably helped you a little bit move toward them. And then in February, you'll migrate some of them and you'll get rid of some of them and you'll reassess and it will be okay. And now we can share our goals with each other. All right. Maybe I, maybe I can, uh, this like what not to do. That's my, my planning podcast. <laughs> not How not to podcast. plan. <laughs> Josh does not want to be on planner cast. Okay, never mind. We are going to transition to our guests, two guests um, who are fantastic today. So I will just transition to that portion. All right. And I would love, I'm very excited to welcome our guest to the show this week. This is another interview I'm doing without Laura, but hopefully they'll bear with me. And I do have a special potential guest appearance for the end of this interview. I have Dr. James or Jimmy Turner with me and his wife, Kristen. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. 
Well, I am very excited to talk to you because I have to say, uh, Jimmy, I read your book about, I don't know, three months or so, and I promptly shoved it under my husband's desk and was like, you have to read this too, um, because I just I really enjoyed your balanced approach to some of the you know financial topics that are all over the place these days with the whole financial independence movement, um, but also just as a physician who definitely seems to value a lot of the same things that I do family, but also enjoying your career and enjoying your time together with your kids. So can you tell me a little bit about your background and Kristen, you too, because I am like really, really honored to be your very first podcast experience. <laughs> you can start, babe. You want me to start? Sure. All right. Um, so background, I grew up in Florida and then uh, went to college in South Carolina, which is where I met Kristen. And I uh, both played soccer there. It's at Erskine College, a school that no one's ever heard of. Um, Flying Fleet. The flying fleet, <laughs> and uh, and then went to medical school, residency, and fellowship all at Wake. And so I really didn't have much of an introduction to the financial stuff until really my junior, or I guess I should say third year in medical school, very end of it. I was trying to get term life insurance and got talked into applying for disability insurance. And I have an essential tremor and take propranolol, so I got flat out denied for that. And so I could have gotten a guaranteed issue policy in training, but didn't because the only stipulation there is that you can't have been denied. So I got screwed by an uh, insurance agent when I was a medical student. So had a rough introduction there and uh, started learning about it after fellowship and really diving in and uh, started the website, the Physician Philosopher, and then wrote the book. And um, yeah, it's kind of kind of the short version of that story. Mm. Yeah, I have a little of interest in finances, but most of I've learned most from Jimmy. I always joked when he was going into medical school that I would keep him around until he was making money. And now that he's making a little money, I'm like, I'll keep you a little bit longer until you're like really valuable and then I'll figure it out. That makes me feel really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, I grew up there and never moved actually until we got married in 2009 after we graduated college. I uh, became a teacher when he was a, a med medical school. And then from there until now, which was, gosh, we've been married almost 11 years. That would be uh, extra schooling for me, a couple different jobs and three kids later. Oh, my goodness. How old are your kids now? We have a daughter who is eight, a son who is six, and then um, a tiny what, terror. What do we call her? <laughs> Another daughter that's three, but she is woo, crazy. Well, no wonder, no wonder we saw eye to eye with you guys because our kids are like almost the exact same ages. Yes. Oh, yeah. You have girl, boy, girl as well. That's exactly oh, what we have. So yeah. almost eight, almost six, and we have a two-year-old. So oh, yeah, great. completely in sync. Um, we, we are Duke and not Wake. So I don't know if we can continue oh, this podcast, oh, but that's okay. <laughs> depending on the sport. <laughs> yes, depending on the sport. Exactly. ACC forever. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so no, so I I am really fascinated to hear a little bit more about your financial journeys together and just how the career and logistics all fit together. Because as you know, this podcast, you know, a lot of our listenership are working women trying to fit everything into their lives that they care about, their jobs and their families. And particularly, you know, in the medical community and even in the financial independence community, which kind of surprises me, there are a lot of women who make the choice to stay home. So I guess I would love to hear you know, how you two came upon your decisions to both stay in the workforce. And yeah, just if that's felt a little bit different going against the grain at all. Yeah, I was telling, so I've listened to several of your podcasts and was trying to articulate to Jimmy, this is what I'm going to say. <laughs> so I'm surely it's not going to go by script, but I feel kind of unique in my working journey because I was the breadwinner for us the first several years that he was in medical school. 
on a teaching income, which in North Carolina, I don't know if you know much about that. We're one of the lowest paid <laughs> professions, teachers by state in North Carolina. But I did, um, my income was what we made when he was in medical school. And then we had our oldest daughter when he was going in his fourth year. And I decided to step away from the classroom. And so I stayed home for a short period of time. And then I slowly added on like about eight hours a week working for this local nonprofit education related company. And then slowly phased into about 20 um, hours a week part time. By the time we had our second child, you were in what year of residency then? Um, One of them. CA wants a PGY two year. Mm, yeah. And so, um, so I went purely from stay at home to part time to thinking, gosh, you know, I want to go back and get my master's. This is a good idea to do when I'm pregnant with our third child. I While should do I was that in residency. while he was in residency, but it was online. It was purely online. It was through Queens University. I'll give them a shout out. It was very doable, but it was a lot. And so, but I wanted to do that because I felt a little bit helpless in my part time position. I was back in the school system now at that point pulling kids and doing reading, but like I really saw the big picture and wanted to help more and support teachers. So I went back with the hopes of getting, um, maybe becoming an administrator one day and then decided I would just wait for the right opportunity to come around. We we're getting a little bit more financially secure at that point. So I knew I had a unique position where I didn't necessarily have to go full time, but I could if I wanted and Jimmy was super supportive of that. And so I think our youngest was maybe one and this really unique job opportunity came up where it's full time in the school system. So not just like a teacher schedule, but 12 months. So like I work summer, some holidays and stuff like that. And now I'm a coach for kindergarten and first grade teachers. And I love it. Yes. So kind yeah, of a backwards no, approach. No, that's great. That <laughs> doesn't sound backwards at all. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I do think it's a pretty unique story. And you found something you love in the education sphere, which can be punished. I mean, that's a really tough field. So yes, no, yes. that's a really cool story. But I hear all the time people like, I try not to just say, Hey, my husband does this. But this week, two different times, teachers are like, what does your husband do? I'm like, he works at the hospital. Oh, real? What does he do? I'm like, he's an anthropologist. Why you work, girl? <laughs> I'm oh, like, I, I love what I do. <laughs> They're like, why? Oh, I <laughs> love like, that. Yeah. I love hearing that. Did you do you two? Um, I mean, it's part of obviously, you know, yes, you don't quote unquote need to work for you guys to to make ends meet at this point. But I also believe, and I'm sure that your your job, not only does it bring satisfaction, but it probably does still contribute to financial goals in your family. Do you two do a lot of planning together? Like, is there like a meeting of the minds that goes on in the Turner family? Um, have you always been on the same page with, with your financial goals? I would say, I don't know that we actually had a lot of financial goals until he started really researching and getting into all of this. And we probably have what you would call, do we have a visitor? Sorry. We do, um, but she's not allowed on the mic. Oh, we might have one of our visitors pop in too. And it truly will have the best of both sides. <laughs> so he did a lot of researching. I started to learn, but I kind of stepped back a little and let him do his thing because he was so passionate about it. But then once he really wrapped his mind around it, we started having, are they called money dates? Is that what you and Ryan call that sounds them? Sounds right. And so we sit and talk. What are you? What are some things you want to do? What are some things important to us? Do we need to pull back on anything? Not necessarily financially, but um, are there things we're overcommitted to? What what goals do we have, and how can we make that happen? And so we started having those talks. And I don't know. You think that's pretty on par? Yeah, I guess the way that I explain it to people is um, that we have lots of conversations about what we want out of life, 
And so most of our conversations kind of stop there once we figure out the big picture that we both want for, for terms of our family, our careers, and, and all of that. In terms of putting numbers behind those things, Chris entrusts me a lot to do that. But at the same time, really, that's the secondary part anyway. So I always have people, I, I get questions a lot about people that aren't on the same page as their spouse, their partner, uh, when it comes to finances. And I, I tell them, if your partner doesn't want to talk about finances, then talking about money is not going to be helpful. So I actually have people go through what's called the three kinder questions. And that really helps you figure out what's super important to you and your family. And you might think you know what that is until you write it down and go through this exercise. And once you do, you'll figure out that you spend lots of money on things that aren't important. And so once we did that, it was very easy to get on the same page in terms of what we're spending money on and like the day-to-day spending habits and that sort of stuff. And, and I would say that probably the biggest difference between the two of us is that, uh, so Kristen, Nickel, nickels, nickels and dimes us. So she spends money all the time, but it's not a lot of money. And I'm the not opposite. always on myself, just to be clear. It's usually on the kids. Um, <laughs> and I'm the opposite. So I don't spend money very often, but when I do, I buy very expensive things. Like and a vehicle. Or, 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 or <laughs> like a Tesla. <laughs> and so, um, so we have different spending habits, but they're all you know able to accomplish this, the, the goals that we've described for our lives that we want. No, that's so interesting. And it's funny because I used to really rebel against thinking about money. And to be honest, like I I really don't feel like I, you know, woke up in that sphere until maybe, I don't know, 18 months to a year ago, which is crazy because we're a little bit ahead of you in terms of in our career journeys. We're about seven years out instead of three or four like you guys. Uh, Well, actually, Kristen, you're much more than four, but I'm talking about (laughs) postgraduate from training. And you're right. It's like, it's not about like, I, it's not about thinking about money. It's more just thinking about, well, actually, what do I want long term out of my life? And how can I make sure that n- am I using my time to f- meet those goals? And am I using my money to meet those goals? I was always obsessed with the time piece. The money piece is new and finding your stuff has helped me get into that even more. Well, we're right. going to take a very quick break. And then I'd actually love it if you would remind our listeners of those kinder questions. So we'd be right back. Okay, we are back. And I will admit that I heard Jimmy um, talk about these questions on his podcast very recently, Money Meets Medicine, one of my new favorites. And I was like, yeah, these are very good questions. So maybe he can remind everyone listening here what those questions are. Yeah. So the questions go in order and it's important to do them in order and to stop in between each question. But the first question is essentially, you've just won the lottery. You're now financially independent, meaning you no longer need a paycheck. And given that information, what would your life look like? So what's your ideal life is essentially what the question is asking. Money's not a thing. You don't have to worry about that. What would you do tomorrow? Would you go to work? Would you not work? Would you be on permanent vacation? Where would you go? Just describe what you'd be doing with your time now that money doesn't matter. That's the first question. The second question is that money does matter. So you have to earn a paycheck. It has to come from something. And you have visited the doctor and the doctor's told you that you have five to 10 years left to live. And she says that you can die on the first day of year five or the last day of year 10, but you're going to die. Knowing that information, how would that change your answer in terms of what you're going to do in the next five to 10 years? And again, you stop there and you you talk about it, you write it down. The third question follows naturally, which is that you go to the doctor and again, she tells you you're critically ill, you're going to die tomorrow. So you're not going to be in any pain, but looking back on your life, what would you be really glad that you accomplished? What would you be really sad that you were or regret that you didn't? Um, what legacy would you leave? And, and how does that make you feel facing your mortality? And the, the purpose of those questions is really to outline what's important to you. 
And I do this exercise with my medical students in our personal finance curriculum. It's the first talk we, we gave this year. And it kind of blew their mind, you know, light bulb moment when they realized once we look through this list of things like family and travel and, you know, spending time with kids and, and, you know, just things that we don't spend money on, we spend money on houses and cars and, and consumer items. And so I point out the discrepancy between what we spend money on and what we've determined is important to us. And all of a sudden it becomes a little bit easier not to spend money on things that don't matter, which is the first important point, right? Cause doctors have, and actually Americans have a spending problem. So it's helpful for that. And Kristen, did you ever do this exercise with Jimmy? Did you guys ever sit down and, and do those questions together? Or do you do you revisit revisit them yearly or something like that? Yeah, I think it's a little more natural than you would think. You probably think he's like has a, a husband <laughs> down at the end of the month and grills me. I do get really annoyed when he asks, what do you want your life to look like in five years? I'm like, I don't know. I like the way it looks now. I like the job I'm doing. I might want to be a principal. I might not. And I think part of that response for me is I know that we're in a place where if something were to happen at work and it was terrible, I could bow out and be like, I'm good. And a lot of my colleagues don't have that opportunity. So that's partially why I think I'm a little more laid back about it but I really, truly do love what I'm doing. And so I don't feel like I have to make this big list of things. Now, as far as like the kids are getting older and I don't want to miss things like that, we have started to be better about like trips and experiences together. I had like this weird delayed postpartum depression with our third. And so I got back into exercising a little. And also around that time, we really noticed that we needed to start pulling back on things. We overcommit ourselves specifically around the holidays. There's like breakfast with Santa here and then dinner with Santa here and this holiday party I have to go to and the childcare. And I, I just like, no. So we've kind of used that scaling back and prioritizing things, whether that's money, groceries, just how we operate as a, in our marriage and with kids. Like we've just tried to have maybe a little better perspective. So we will have some talks about it and things like that. But in general, it does feel pretty natural and we've pretty much been on the same page. Um, I'm like, yeah, let's pay off our loans. That's fine. We'll just wait longer and the kids can share a room. We'll be good. Um, so I, I don't feel, I don't know. Was I a diva? Well, I, I think that we, to be honest, we never wrote it down. I don't think we've no, done that. No, not really. Um, which I, I do encourage everybody to do. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of ironic, but we've had lots and lots of conversations in car rides or on dates and trying to, you know, sort that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, aren't car rides amazing for that? Like long car rides yeah. where you're stuck. <laughs> it's yeah. it's like all of a sudden we're like, well, we've, we're forced to be here, so we might as well figure this out. We've done a lot of like vacation planning or financial yeah. priorities making. No, that's that's awesome, and I don't think you necessarily have to write it down. Although I do kind of like writing it down <laughs> as well. <laughs> we sit there like with our wine app, like, okay, what did we spend? Are we yeah. meeting the savings goals, etc. <laughs> um, it's so nerdy, but it it actually like really helps. It works. And, yeah, it totally works. So logistics, our mm-hmm. listeners are always interested in that. And it sounds like you, neither of you have super flexible jobs. Although Jimmy, you're, you're now transitioning into like part-time podcaster, maybe. Uh, yes. No. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to gradually change for me. So I, I just, like Kristen was saying, I mean, I call it my hell yes policy. So I say no to anything that doesn't make me say hell yes. Um, and so essentially that means lots of no's at work. But I have said yes to something. So I'm becoming the fellowship director for regional anesthesia at Wake in July. And, and so I'm continuing to do some things at work, but I have started to work towards having more time off. So I do some weeks of nights to get the post-call week and I have paint call weeks. So I, I'd say probably I have between 12 and 15 weeks off every year. 
And then I'm an academic. So I work four days a week, the other, other weeks. But when you're on, like, it's not flexible. Like if he yeah. has to be in the OR by 536, I'm on oh, my own. I know you but anesthesiologists make the surgeons look lazy. My husband just has to be there by like eight or 730 or something. <laughs> and it depends on the shift, but in theory, for the most part, you know, his shifts aren't always super predictable. So sometimes I know when to expect him home or he can tag team and pick up, you know, kid three from the daycare and I can get kids one and two. But when he's off, like post-call, he's like he's on and helpful and we're flexible and it's nice. My job is a little more flexible than it sounds. So I'm actually not stationed in an office. I have eight elementary schools that I support and I go to them every week. So I kind of make my schedule based on the needs of maybe meetings I'm having with teachers, observations, um, administrative meetings. I can kind of piece together my schedule and maybe not schedule a late meeting on one day because I have to get the kids because he's working late or whatever. So for the most part, it, Mine is a little bit more flexible. I just kind of have to get in my hours each day. It can look kind of however. That's very interesting. And actually something that Laura is not on tonight, but um, she will say that like sometimes when you move up in leadership, there's like a deceptive increase in flexibility that people don't always realize is there. And I know I have noticed that in my own career path. I'm, I'm half GME now. I'm the residency um, program director. So same awesome. deal. It's like you have to be at certain things and you have other deadlines, but then at the same time, you're like a little bit more in charge, which can be great with kids because, you know, you have those times to take them to the doctor or an early release day or whatever, but you guys rely on daycare. You don't have an at-home person or anything. No. So we, our older two are in elementary school. And so they go, the YMCA has a before and after school program at the elementary school, like mm-hmm. on which is beautiful. So we can drop them off as early as 630, which we rarely are there by that early. Isn't that awesome? Um, but and then they can stay as late as 6 p.m. So if that's ever needed, it's there. Rarely are they there before 7 a.m. and past 5 p.m. But it's nice that they're there. Um, but 30, 25, 30 minutes on the other side of town is where our third kid is in daycare. However, it is she's in the daycare that's attached to the hospital that he works at. So that's really nice. And it's also in Winston-Salem, which is where all my schools are. So it's nice. We pretty much divide and conquer on the regular unless he is on a shift that he really can't help. We can normally tag team in the morning and tag team in the evening and get home and start dinner and do all that. So, yeah, she's in full-time daycare. That is super helpful. It's a really good daycare. Yeah. And hospital daycares tend to have the best, I mean, most forgiving hours. We did the, we did the Duke daycare for like a year and a half and it was fantastic on so many levels. They don't. Not even. No, they opened at like 6am and they never closed. It was was (laughs) amazing. Uh -uh. That's great. Um, That's, I mean, we've really enjoyed the daycare. I had a little of that mom guilty, you know, cause I was at home with them and provided and did everything and wiped their noses and made baby food with the first one. And then now the third one. (laughs) Pick it up for ground. It's chicken nugget. You'll be fine. It's got hair on it. You'll be it's totally fine. Um, so there was a little bit of that mom guilt for me releasing them to full-time care of someone else. But it really has been, I think, I feel more fulfilled professionally. And they're getting to socialize and really do some cool things that I don't even have the energy to do. Circle time. Like they send those pictures and stories and music. I don't have the patience for those crafts and stuff anymore. <laughs> I really don't. So I'm so grateful that they're in places where they can do that and people love on them. But I'm also able to truly um, do what I love and feel gifted um, in doing so. <laughs> this is awesome. And you're a teacher of young children. So you know that there's like all this effort and training and and passion that goes into many of what these educators do with these young kids. So it's, yeah. like, you know, it's like 
no guilt. <laughs> no, no, no guilt. And it's really um, emotionally taxing. So while I do get to like teach children and model and do stuff like that, a lot of what I'm doing is supporting the teachers. And sometimes I feel like a life coach or a counselor, <laughs> um, but just wanting them to know that I'm there to help. And so, you know, that the, by the end of the day, like y'all probably are with your patients, I am emotionally drained. Um, I'm grateful someone else took care of you and kept you clean today. And we'll go home and figure out dinner and maybe skip bath night for the second in a row. I like each kid. We add a day of like gap. Okay. For the first kid, they got bathed every day. The second kid, every other. And now we're like, no, it's still every other. (laughs) You're like, don't throw our kids hygiene under the bus. Well, we're in Florida, so we do bath every day. We definitely don't do hair washing every day. I've moved on from that. That's just too much. (laughs) So, so I totally hear you. And I think Laura is, is all about like bathing like once every several days. So there oh, yeah. you go. You, you so cut corners where it makes sense to cut corners, especially when our kids haven't like hit puberty yet. So they're fine, you know? <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> so on that note, can you share a little bit of a day in the lab? I'm sure not every day is the same. And especially when you're saying, you know, some days are an intense call day for you, Jimmy, and you're like gone the entire day. And other days you're like, podcasting. So I guess that there's a lot of variation there, but on a very typical day, can you guys share what a day in the life would look like? Sure. So I wake up, well, recently you've woken up <laughs> early, but I typically wake up early. Uh-huh. Um, so why are you laughing? I'm, I'm scared I'm, about what you're going to I didn't know say. if I was going to start or you were going to start because we can do your version of a day and then we'll do mine. Okay. Oh yes. Yes. I want to hear <laughs> dual versions of the day. This is, so, this will be uh, fascinating. So I don't wake up around four or 4.30 um, and depending on the day, uh, say if I'm just in regional, then I, I would have to be there by 5.45 or 6.15, 5.45 or 6 o'clock to start blocks for the day because the OR starts at 7. And so I would, on a day like that, probably not be able to help out with the kids in the morning. On other shifts that I do, I commonly have to be there at 8. And so on those days, I would take two of the kids or Anna, sorry, our youngest, to, to daycare, one or the other. Uh, and then Kristen would do the the opposite. Um, and then I work till completely depends. Some shifts 3 p.m., some shifts 7. And if I'm off before 6, then I'm usually able to help pick up some of the kids. And if I'm not, then then I can't. Uh, for the off days, I usually pick up and drop off and try to cook dinner sometimes. It was a really boring rendition of a day. Okay. Her, her stories well, most, are better. Most days are pretty routine, but oh, I want to hear the exciting rendition yeah. of the oh, day. Kids are in bed at set, uh, routine starts at seven. They go to bed by seven thirty, so that we have time to ourselves, and then we go to bed really, really early because we're like old people. It's like nine at the mm-hmm. latest. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of you, you're like actually in sync. That's, yes. that's, yeah, yeah. that's impressive. My husband, who has just wandered in here because he's going to ask his question. Um, we are not, he just doesn't really sleep very much. So we're not, <laughs> that, that makes us not in sync, but I, that's, that's awesome that you guys actually are both early risers and early to bed. It doesn't sound boring. And you even managed to get your kids in bed to get some time together. That's, we got to learn some lessons from you. Yeah, I think, so I typically, if I'm up, try to get up, I like to work out before all of the chaos happens um, because by the end of the day, It's not happening. So if he's taking the kids to school and I'm in the house getting them ready, it's going to look like the older two being mostly self-sufficient and getting ready with me yelling up the stairs, reminders. Did you brush your teeth? Did you do this? Especially for the oldest. Is your ice pack in your lunchbox? And then I have, we have our three-year-old who's probably crying at the kitchen table because her peanut butter and jelly sandwich got snatched by one of the dogs. That's pretty typical. (laughs) Um, Hi. And then um, once I get them all dressed and shuffled out the door and drop them off, I like sit in the parking lot of my first school and like breathe. 
<laughs> probably scarf down some breakfast and I'll just go full force. I go in anywhere from two to four schools in one day, depending on what I'm doing, kind of on the um, drive back and forth between places. And then I'll text Jimmy, you know, towards the end of my day. Okay, when do you finish? Do I need to get all of the kids? Are you going to be able to help with some of them? Do you want to go home and start dinner and I'll get the kids? That'd be great. And we actually will do that pretty often. We do HelloFresh. We've um, oh, out- we do. They were actually our sponsor. We did not, not, not this week, but at one point they were our sponsor. So we did not plant that, but that's cool. We do online yeah, grocery shopping, lots of stuff. online grocery shopping. And we started HelloFresh because... He can't really read my mind if I did do the meal planning or wrote down we're going to have this. Like, he doesn't know which cookbook to look in to do all that. Like, (laughs) so it's nice for him to just have the recipe and just cook it. And then we get home, we'll eat and we'll do the whole bedtime routine. And um, then we're exhausted and we're done. Yeah. And so (laughs) the the trend kind of continues. So like with the financial stuff, I deal with the big picture sort of stuff. And Kristen's the concrete bill payer. And with cooking or, you know, planning for meals the same way. And the reason why is because I'm not a detail oriented person. I couldn't do that if I wanted to. Mm -mm. Um, Even if I was single, that would not happen um, Mm -mm. just because I'm not good at that. Um, And so (laughs) anything that's detail oriented or schedule based, typically Kristen's taken care of. I just reminded him we have a date night tomorrow. Remember you said you wanted to have one. So we have a babysitter and her name is this and she's coming at this time. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. (laughs) No no shared Google calendar for you guys. No, we do. Well, yeah. oh, you just might not check it. So you had yeah, to be reminded. <laughs> like doctor's appointments. And like he took one of our kids to the doctor um, this week. So I put like that appointment on and we'll put like church group. Like we have fellowship group on Sunday evenings and major things like that. Gymnastics night for the kids. But if like I just scheduled a babysitter a couple nights ago, I, I didn't put that on the calendar. But a lot of things are. She likes question. to use paper calendars. Me too. Wait a second. We have to have a little digression then. What paper calendar do you use? It's a very important question. Um, as when I ordered on Amazon, I forgot her name. Mine's <laughs> 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 actual planner for work. So I have a work oh, plan. Okay. Like I'm at this school from this time to this time. And then I have a meeting in our house. I have a paper calendar on the wall that just has like birthdays and stuff. So I can say, Hey, your mom's birthday is tomorrow. <laughs> hey, your mom's birthday is today. You need to call her. Did you call your mom today? Cause it's her birthday. And then we have the, the digital world one. <laughs> So I, I live in the digital world and my nickname at work is Dory because I'm extremely forgetful. So this isn't like a marriage thing. This is just my personality. <laughs> yeah. So if you ever meet me in person, just ask me what your name is. Don't be offended. It, don't be offended when I forget. I, I'm not, it actually works terrible. in my favor all the time. So I'm fine with it. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. I mean, there's definitely some more common gender lines and uh, we're the same way. I mean, as much as I want to buck the trend, I am more of the calendar management manager. Although Google Calendar is pretty good. Like if I use it, and actually do it, which I rebel against sometimes because I do like my paper. Um, then Josh <laughs> usually pays attention. Speaking of Josh, we have a guest on the mic. Say hi. Hey, Josh. Hello. Hi. Hey, nice to meet you all. I just you finished putting the kids to bed. Good. So. good podcasting voice. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this, could be our, this could be our retirement um, job, maybe. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so Josh actually had a question for you because he also read your book. As I said, I shoved it in front of his face after I finished it. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is good. No, I, um, I thank you very much. I really, <laughs> really appreciate the book and learned a lot from reading it. Awesome. Uh, the one thing I was thinking about when I was reading the book is uh, I don't really know how to phrase it the right way. but or, or And I'm sure that maybe I missed the part in the book. But how do you plan for kids and kids college and in your planning to become financially independent early that's like is there a formula is there a magic that's what i was thinking yeah 
There's an app. Uh, <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, that's a great question. So I do everything backwards. Uh, and what I mean by that is starting with the big picture life plan. So the first question you have to answer there is, do you want to pay for your kid's college? Right. And, and the reason I mentioned that is because there are lots of people surprisingly that, or not surprisingly, depending on who you are, that don't plan on paying for the kid's college at all. So that's the first thing. And if you're making the decision between paying for your kid's college and saving enough to be financially independent by the age that you'd like, you should probably be saving for your financial independence and not for your kid's college. Like if you have to choose between the two, and the reason why is because no one wants to take care of their parents in their elderly years and pay for all of that, which is substantially more expensive than what college is going to cost that they can take out on loans. You can't take loans out on your retirement. You can take it out on college. And so there's, you know, kind of an important decision point there. But after that, you have to figure out how much are you going to pay for? Are you going to pay for the whole thing? Are you going to pay for a certain amount? Um, you know, it's like for, for our family, I fully anticipate and hope that my kids will have you know, tuition uh, or something, a you know, scholarship of some kind. And so I don't plan on paying for necessarily all of it. I think that between the three kids, we'll probably have $150,000 per kid uh, right now. Now, if we start saving more once we get the rid of the mortgage and stuff like that, then it, it might turn into two or two fifty. dollars uh, And of course, if one of my three kids don't go to school, then I can transfer beneficiaries. And now I have seven fifty dollars between two kids. I have three seventy five dollars per kid. And then Wake Forest, so everyone's situation is different is what I'm getting at here, but Wake Forest they, uh, me being a faculty member there, they pay for, I think, 95% of tuition for Wake. Um, and so they're going to be a demon deacon. And, they, <laughs> and, they'll, and they'll cover a, a, the cost of a state school. So if they got into UNC, they would, it would be paid for. And, and so for that reason, I don't want to cover all of it because it's just going to be additional money in their 529. So if they go there, you have to figure out how much you want to save for each kid. And if you really run the numbers, they get to kind of be scary if you like inflate them at current tuition. Oh rates. no, we know it's, I mean, it's like a hundred K per year per kid. I'm assuming like that's literally yeah, so like, yeah. right. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, it's like three or $400,000 for one child. And so yeah. the idea of, you know, putting away 1.2 million bucks or $900,000 for, uh, for three kids college <laughs> education is insane. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, our, our financial independence number is, you know, like 3 million or so give or take. And, and I'm not, going to sit, you know, put a third of that into my kid's college education. So all that said, I think that there are multiple ways to pay for college, right? They can earn scholarships. They can, you know, be a part of your employment. They can work. They can, um, you know, use the 529 that you have, but I don't know that everyone has to cover it. So it depends on where you, where you sit. So I, I guess I would start there. But I, you mentioned that I remember you were talking uh, in the book about in your state, you can choose among different states where you can no, that's do the anywhere, 529. That's the that's, oh, that, okay. Yeah. Got it. Never mind. He needs yeah. Sarah knows more about the financial <laughs> no, 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 details it's, it's, than I do. No, that's an important distinction. So if it, the, the, what, what I say is that there are um, some states that offer a tax benefit if you participate in the 529 in your state. And if you have one of those, you should consider doing that if they have a good plan because you're going to get a tax break. If you don't have a state like North Carolina that doesn't do that, uh, then you can invest anywhere. And so we're, we're invested in the My 529 plan in Utah. Um, <laughs> I think like, that's a popular one, actually. Yeah, they yeah. must have like good, like low fees or something like that. Yeah, so low cost index funds and they're through Vanguard. Where did you hear about that? Vanguard? Uh, through Vanguard? No, just do Probably just other blogs and stuff. Yeah, no, Utah's, Utah's up there. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Utah, Nevada, California, New York are kind of the big ones that come up commonly. But the decision starts at how much you want to pay for. If you want to pay for the whole thing, then you know, you have three kids. So $400,000 times three is 1.2 million bucks. How old are they? And then you got to figure out how much you need to save to get wow. there by the time you're 22. I you're know. not going to Or you that, can pick your favorite. Likely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
one could do. You would not have time. Um, but you can also change beneficiaries. So, and, and this is one of the comments that we made on the Money Meets Medicine podcast recently, which is that I, I don't, my kids may not go to college. With the way that college tuition is skyrocketing, unless the government steps in or someone steps in and stops the student loan crisis that's happening right now and allowing basically institutions, universities to go up on tuition by six or 8% every year, which is highway robbery. Insane. Um, until that mm-hmm. happens, people are going to start going into online learning or going to trade skills, like being a, becoming a beautician or an electrician or a plumber. And those jobs, honestly, are going to be far ahead and make more money in the long haul if they know something about fi- personal finance and they're saving. Uh, they'll do much better than someone who goes and gets a $400,000 degree and takes out loans on those and then has to go to graduate school and takes out another $300,000 just to become a doctor and earn one hundred and fifty. Like that just That math doesn't work. I said uh, the same thing today in <laughs> the physician cafeteria. And everybody yep. laughed at you. I don't know. Wait, everybody, everybody, I don't know if they. But they're were all thinking, financing yeah, their Teslas, so whatever. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> yes, they are. They're onto something. I really do, and, mm. and, and I think that we're going to see more and more of that. Um, so I, I'm not convinced that I have to pay for all three of my kids. Maybe it might be two of the three, and and hopefully we'll have some help from other areas. Well, we do mm. have like the cheapest uh, in-state college tuition. So if our kids go to UF, then it's mm-hmm. like six k per year for kids. So I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> What was it called? The uh, I should know this because I grew up in Florida, but they have the uh, the state program where yes, there's it's bright futures. Yeah, a lot of people take advantage of that too. Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, the interesting thing now is now I'm seeing it from the um again doing my GME job, and then I'm seeing kids who like you know go to med school and good med schools and. You don't have to go to a fancy, if you want to be a physician, I mean, not that I necessarily want my kids to want that. That's a whole other podcast episode, but um, you don't have to, to necessarily go to a quote name brand or private school. There's so many different ways to get there. Yeah, and I think, I think it's tough because, um, you know, and I, I'm an example of this. So I, I got into Wake and that's the only acceptance I had at the time. And after I started, I ended up getting an acceptance at, um, at MUSC, but I didn't apply to enough schools. I only applied to six. I didn't realize I should apply to more. I didn't get good advice. Um, but I was faced with a decision of taking out full to it, you know, like full room board tuition and everything for medical school or being a doctor. Like, you know, like I, so most people don't know anything about money. So that's not a financial decision. They just know they want to be a doctor, sign me up for $500,000 student loans. Like that's just a drop in the bucket. I don't be a doctor someday. So I agree with you. I think that someday, hopefully personal finance will be taught in high school or even before that. And people will be considering those decisions. When, but I think that a lot of people are just like, I want to be a doctor. I don't care how much it costs. And then they get saddled with a million bucks and all of a sudden they care. Yep. Well, you it's know, interesting. So- They're also making those decisions when I, I'm not even sure their frontal cortex is like finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would know more about that than me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been such a pleasure. But before we finish our episode, um, everyone has to share a love of the week. Hey, you have to share a love of the okay, week, Josh. You're going to think on of one. one. <laughs> So, um, wow, I didn't even think of my own love of the week yet. So why don't you guys go first? <laughs> I have I have one. So we've been trying to um, look at food differently. <laughs> okay, everyone's like, right, trying to work out and eat better. But for real, as, as a family, just making better food choices. And so there's a cookbook called Run Fast, Eat Slow. <gasps> I Mom. love that cookbook. Yes. We literally like, that's like a most frequently used cookbook in our house. That's yes. awesome. And I love it. Like I haven't done a lot of dinner recipes from it, but what has helped is like the breakfast burritos and trail mix and snacks. So getting all that stuff ready for the week so that when we're packing lunches or hungry and are hangry, when we get home, we're not reaching for potato chips or we have good options kind of everywhere for every meal. So that's, that's my favorite thing right now. 
I actually love that book too. And it's been, yeah, you I'm, benefit I'm, from it. I, I'm a snacker. Like so I don't, I, don't, it. <laughs> I don't eat big meals, but I, I snack all the time. And so now that we have healthy snacks, it's much better. But yep. I guess the, uh, the love of the week for, for me has to be the Peloton that we, that we bought recently. And such uh, a name dropper. Well, no, I, <laughs> you know, if anybody wants to follow me, it's JT to, to 175 and you're oh. Turbo Turner 86. I think it is. Like that. Have y'all ri- have y'all been on one you know, before? Yeah, oh. We're both runners. We're like not spinners. Okay. Maybe okay. someday. Uh, I would do well, a ton tread maybe, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's super interesting because I wasn't a big spinner either. Um, she dragged me to a few classes over the years and I, I hated them. Um, and so there then, are the running there's, you can do any type of workout. You can get off the bike and do strength or yoga and all kinds of different things. Um, we, we have loved it. There's but, a trip. Awesome. You can yeah, we we exactly. really have a lot. Both, both of us have. So that, mm-hmm. I guess that would be my love of the week. Yep. Cool. Well, now that you've inspired me with run fast, eat slow, I will share with you my love of the week. One of my favorite recipes from there that we just ate last week is the broccoli chevre soup. Now you might not think your kids would like that, but actually my kids love that stuff they will like lick every bit of it so you might want to give it a try right. <laughs> in that cookbook yeah <laughs> yes there was the uh pumpkin pancakes that oh, are yes, also the really pumpkin good teff yeah. pancakes although we never actually make it with the teff we just yeah. make it with like whole wheat flour or whatever but yeah we could just do oh a love God. fest to Shaleen flanagan in that cookbook because it's amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks so much. This has been such a pleasure. Uh, maybe we'll meet in the mi- medical or financial world someday. Who knows? Or maybe the both of them will collide. Um, but we will, um, I'm sure our listeners will get lots out of this. So where can our listeners find you should they want more of you guys? So they can find me at thephysicianphilosopher.com. That's the blog that I run or at moneymeetsmedicine.com, which is the Money Meets Medicine podcast that I host with uh, Ryan Inman, who's a flat fee-only financial advisor who's also married to a, a pediatric doc so that's the two best best places to find me and then where can they find you i mean i'm not really going to give my work email yeah don't do that <laughs> <laughs> i have a family blog that i used to be really good about updating called you have and, a twitter what's your twitter and, account and i was about to give my blog first oh. and and then there were three turners dot blogs so cute i'm a couple months behind and then my twitter uh it's like kg you don't know KGT, your Twitter handle? Wait. Oh, shoot. <laughs> KG Early Turner or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's like Kristen G. Turner, Early Learner. Yep. Oh, my I'm gosh. Partner and coach, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Early Learner. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Well, that was a great interview. I really enjoyed speaking with them and having my husband help out. So we're going to transition to our Q&A. And we have Laura back for this. Yay. Yay. So here we go. Um, Dear Laura, I will be working at home for my father's company. This will be my first real job since having my first child four and a half years ago, and which uh, since that time I've been preparing to take this job, fulfilling licensure requirements, etc. I've heard you and Sarah talk about having in-home childcare, which in my case seems to make logistical sense, given the number of kids my husband and I have. We plan to send our two older ones, who will be three and five, to a nearby local preschool and kindergarten. In regard to the baby and third child who will be two, we are thinking about hiring a nanny instead of shuttling half the kids in one direction for school and half the kids in another direction for daycare every weekday morning. Also, considering how frequently kids in daycare tend to get sick, my husband and I would worry less about our kids falling ill if we had a nanny. While I can see these benefits, I'm wondering about the practicalities of working from home while she is taking care of one or more little ones. How do you concentrate? 
Do you turn on a white noise machine? Is there a stash of snacks and beverages in your workspace so you don't have to go to the kitchen risking the kids seeing you and wanting to play with you during the work hours? Or does the nanny bring the baby to you when you need to nurse? Um, how do you work while still nursing a baby? Do you plan to accomplish certain tasks during nursing sessions? I found with my previous three babies that I can do tasks that require one hand while nursing, but not both. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a unique talent. And mm -hmm. it's, it's one that people don't really think about, but I have divided all work tasks into things I need two hands for and things I can do with one hand. And, and so longer typing things need to be done when I have two hands and uh, you know, simple answering short emails can be done with one hand or, or possibly the baby sort of propped up. If I have the uh, pillows quite right, then I can <laughs> kind of make it work. Um, but uh, no, I, I think this is a great question. It was definitely something that I struggled with, you know, when we had our first child many years ago, because we were living in a one bedroom apartment in New York. And uh, my husband was definitely saying, well, we should, we should hire a nanny, you know, based on our kind of needs his travel and sort of the need for more flexible hours and that you know kids get sick in daycare all the time and that was a real source of tension for us but i was like well where is she gonna go like i mean i'm sitting here in our one bedroom apartment like they're gonna be on top of me so among other things we we wound up moving to a two-bedroom apartment so that made it slightly bigger but then we also realized it, it it doesn't have to be quite as big a deal as people often make it out to be we've uh, hired people who understand that if you are working from home, their job is not just to keep the children safe while you are working, which uh, people might understand as kind of the basic job of childcare, but also to keep them out of your hair. And so that is a separate part that needs to be part of the job description. Basically, you need to make be totally transparent about that. And so, you know, we've we've had. Um, Generally, the at least part of the day, they'll go out and do activities. Everyone who's worked here has made sure to take the kids out. Like we have memberships to everything, you know, children's museums, zoos, play areas. You know, they go to the library for story time, do play dates. You know, it's just understood that that's part of the job. You know, it's also what kids get used to. Like if they know you work from home, then it's not a huge deal. And especially your younger kids will grow up with that meaning that as they're older, this won't be a weird thing that mommy's in her office working. Like they'll, they'll come to understand that. Of course, you can also sort of minimize the, the problems with it too by, yes, staying in your office. Like you have to know that you're not going to intervene in things. And I know that some people find that difficult. Like if you hear your kid arguing or, you know, saying something really rude, for instance, you want to come out and be like, you stop that right now. You just can't do that. Because once you cross that line, it's you're micromanaging, you're causing problems. So you stay in, trust that the professional you have hired will deal with it. You know, I haven't actually kept a stash of snacks in my office. So come to think about it, that is probably a good idea. I'm like listening. Is anyone in the kitchen? No, no one's in the kitchen. Okay, I can sneak out uh, and go get my snacks, but it would probably be better to have them in here. So yeah, that's that's basically how you deal with it. And I found it's it's really a, a good setup when you do have a nursing baby because you just don't have to pump as much or anything like that. And that is a huge benefit, as Sarah can tell you. Yeah, way, way more efficient and more pleasant, at least in my uh, experience. Um, yeah, so I love that answer. I will just commiserate with the reader that 
sorry, with the listener, that probably because I don't have nearly as much practice as Laura has with this, um, I think it's hard too. So I'm guessing the more it becomes routine and the more they're like, oh no, mommy needs to work. Like it's, this is not optional time. This is just hard stop. Like I like how you said, like, you know, no exceptions really, because that just makes things confusing the better it's going to go. And for the record, I have hidden upstairs on a different floor <laughs> on occasion when I have been home and I have to get stuff done. Or again, I force our nanny to, or really highly encourage them to go do something fun outside of the home because then they're distracted, they're happy, and they're physically not there. All good. Exactly. One thing I'd add is that, you know, w- with your older children being in school all day, you probably shouldn't think that you're going to get that much quiet done once they get home though. Um, so plan to have the bulk of your calls or focused work happen during the school hours. And you probably will be able to do things like answering emails um, after work after school hours. But I try to confine the bulk of it to the school hours. And given that, you know, elementary kids are gone for about seven hours a day, you can generally do that and, and get away with that with a full-time job. So this has been, uh, yeah, best of both worlds. And I know that Sarah did the rest of this episode. So maybe she has a little sign off for. (laughs) Uh, I don't have any extra special sign off, but we hopefully this one brought you more on what makes work and life fit together as always. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.